0: It was, so it was a great event that we had. Um, as you can see, we had so many different kings, queens, traditional leaders. I think in Zambia, if I'm, if I'm correct, I think that there are about 288 chiefs in Zambia alone. And this year, uh, sorry, 2023, we successfully planted a man or woman of God in the office of every single one of those chiefs. And we're expanding now. We're expanding to the countries nearby. We're expanding into Zimbabwe, Angola, Congo. Um, we're going into all of those areas and and bringing um, traditional leadership and, and merging the traditional leadership with the kingdom of God. And so it's an exciting thing to see. Actually, if you remember in that video, there was a man. He is the king of Uganda, and his name is King Drani. I actually had the privilege of meeting him this year, and not only meeting him, but we took a team into his country, into Uganda, to lead an expedition and preach the gospel. Because after this, basically, after this event happened, it just blew up where it was like, we're getting calls from all of these nations that we've never had open doors into, and they're saying, please come to my nation. We want to hear from you. We want the gospel to come to our villages. I can get you in. You know, we might have not had an inn before, but now we have an inn. And so he was one of those ones. He's like, please, we want you to come to our nation. And so we come to the nation, and I actually was the one, one of the ones leading the expedition into that country. And so we get to Uganda, and we, you know, we're trying to rent cars and all of these things because we we don't necessarily, it's our, it's our first um time into the country and we're pretty much pioneering it we don't yet have a long team there we want to do that in the future but right now we're leading an expedition to kind of break the ground and pioneer it and so we get there and we're trying to rent cars and things like that and he's like no 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 please it would be an honor for me please take my car and at first I was hesitant and I was like no really please just let us rent like that's a huge honor Thank you so much, but like, we we would love to just rent a car. We don't want to inconvenience you in any way. And he insisted. He was like, no, 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 please take my car. So finally, I mean, this was like days. This is days of going back and forth, figuring out this thing. He would not let up. So finally, I was like, okay, great, we'll take your car. So we take his car. We have to drive eight hours to go to the airport, which is very normal in Africa. We, We drive eight hours. We get to the airport. We pick up the team five minutes after having the team in the car, I'm driving down the road and his radiator explodes while we're driving. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm, I'm driving the king, just imagine, you're driving the king's car and his radiator explodes. This isn't like your next door neighbor's car, you know what I mean? Even that would be humiliating, but it's like, you're driving the king's car and his radiator is exploding, what are we going to do? Um, but what was so funny about that story And just amazing to see how God orchestrates and moves things together is that what happened what ended up happening was we had to move the ministry it was gonna be over here eight hours away because we now no longer had a car we had to move the ministry eight hours back into the city which if you know anything about overland we really don't do ministry in cities we're going to the remote rural areas where people aren't gonna hear the gospel if we don't actually physically step our feet there so that's kind of the norm of what we do, but we're like, oh no, we have to move our ministry into the city. What are we gonna do? How are people gonna gonna receive us? Where are we gonna do ministry? All of those things. And long story short, God provided every single step of the way. Somehow, we found um, the the same night that the car broke down, we found two cars that we could rent for the exact same price as the first one, like random, randomly, they don't have rental cars in Uganda, I don't know if you know that, there's not, there's not like a rental place that you can go to, but somehow we found that, we also found housing, and not only that, but the amazing part was that I ended up getting a meeting um, through actually a connection of Dr. Leon's, I reached out to Dr. Leon. Through Dr. Leon got a connection to someone in Uganda that has a relationship with the national overseer of all of the full gospel churches in Uganda. So we're like, okay, great. Like, this is an awesome connection. We end up meeting with him the next day, and he opens the door and gets us into a, it's called a slum, into a slum that we wouldn't have had the opportunity to get into otherwise because it's only accessible through government access. Only the government has access to it, but yet they open this up. This gets opened up to us, and we're able to go in and preach the gospel there. And so it was just amazing. Obviously, it, it's not ideal that that happened to the car, of course, but it's like even through that, you can see the hand of God um, come into play there. And so the, there's kings and queens from this event um, that, that are really just coming after us and saying, uh, come and minister to our people. Come and minister in our nations. Come and bring the gospel to our nation. And really the only thing that's holding us back is that we need people to say yes. We need people to come with us. And so with that, I know I mentioned the trip earlier. If you are interested in any way, this isn't just to go and make you feel better about yourself for going to another nation and ministering. This is like there is a demand that is placed on us. There is a demand that the gospel needs to go to these areas. There are people that have never heard and that will never hear if there aren't people who put their feet in that nation and say, I will be the one, I will go. And so if you are interested in that, please get with us after the service. We would love to, to talk with you about that. Um, so getting into, into the message, I, I know that the theme of this weekend is captivated. And I just, I feel like if we don't know what to be captivated with, that that's the issue is that we don't necessarily know what do what am i captivated with am i how how do i be captivated about reading the bible how do i be captivated about worship how do i be captivated about prayer or whatever it is and i feel like i see the lord doing a work in this church i see the lord doing a work in your families in your individual lives in your jobs at your schools i see the lord's hand doing a work but i feel like there is a key component that we must be able to have to be able to usher in that move of god to be able to carry the magnitude of what he's going to give you of the blessings that he has for you there's something that you have to carry as an individual there's something that you have to carry even if you want to see a move of god in your church it's not all on your pastors what are you, there's, there's something that you have to carry to usher in that move of God. Amen. And so I want to, if we want to be captivated by him, if we want to walk in expansion, if we want to see the open doors that God has for us this year in 2024, we have to recognize what that key is and how to walk in it. And so I believe that the key to captivation is the fear of the Lord. And so I want to talk a little bit about that um, this morning, and it might not be something that you're excited to hear. You might have have heard me talking about that key, and you're like, okay, what's the key? What's the key? I'm ready for it. Let's go. What does the Lord have? And when I say fear of the Lord, a lot of times it's a a little bit of a turn-off to people because they're like, oh, oh, okay, The, the fear of the Lord, okay, yeah, that's fine. But I feel like by the end of this after we talk about what is the fear of the lord how do we get it how do we walk in it by the end of this i think that you're going to be absolutely sold out and said okay i want to walk in this right now you might be hearing fear of the lord and you're a little bit intimidated i don't know what this means okay i get it he's holy i'm not right that's the first thought process that comes in but I believe by the end of this, you're going to be seeking after the fear of the Lord like, you've never, like you never have before. And I know that um, I talked with Pastor Anna last night, and I just found out that you guys have been doing like a, what was it, eight-week study on the, on the fear of the Lord. I had no idea coming into this. She said the, uh, she said the theme is captivated. And, and honestly, this has been something that for the past several months... I've felt like this is what the Lord had for the body of Christ and so um, yeah I'm excited I'm excited to talk about it this morning. I want to start in Acts chapter 9 verse 31 I think he has it up on the screen here. It says walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit they were multiplied. So I am a very mathematical person. I don't know if there's any of you in here who are like that as well. But when I read this, my mind automatically goes into an equation. So when I read this, what I hear is the fear, walking in the fear of the Lord plus the comfort of God equals multiplication. That's what I see when I read this. And so one day I was just reading this and I'm like, fear of the Lord plus the comfort of God equals multiplication. Wow, there's something to that. There's a substance to that. There's, there's something in there that God is trying to show us. And by no means am I saying that the word of God is a formula. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that he puts it in such a way that we would understand. And that's, that's the way that I think. So that's how he speaks to me. So the fear of the Lord plus the comfort of God equals multiplication. I believe that this is the key to captivation. I believe that this is the key to being captivated by him, to being sold out for him, to walking in everything that God has for us in this next season, to walking in the blessings that he has for you, to walking in the the deep level of intimacy that he has reserved for you individually. I believe that the key to that is the fear of the Lord. And I think that something, as I was kind of preparing, something that, that kind of stuck out to me is that if we don't fear the lord we will fear man yes. and when you fear man you're actually going to become victim to not experiencing the the grace and the empowerment and the blessing that god has for you you're not going to be able to experience it because you are you are more Fixated on what other people think about you than what he thinks about you. And you're more fixated on the, the opinions of man than you are pleasing God. And so that's the place we need to get to because fear of man will hold you back from every single thing that the fear of God wants to take you into. So I want you to know there's a distinction here. I'm creating a distinction here. There's the fear of man holds you back, holds you captive to the feelings and opinions of other people, but then yet there's the fear of the Lord over here that holds you captive to what God thinks about you, holds you captive to the identity that He's given you to walk in. And so we see that the fear of the Lord is a key component in this equation for multiplication, but I think, so that's the, the main thing that I wanna focus on this morning, but I think that it's important also to just define what is the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Because it's the fear of the Lord plus the comfort of the Holy Spirit that leads to to multiplication. So what is the comfort of the Holy Spirit? It is not to bring comfort in an earthly way, like the way that man brings comfort. It's not a little side hug, hope you feel better. It's not a stay in your situation, that's fine. I'm going to come and bring you some tea and whatever so that you feel better. It's, It's actually... Um, something that is much deeper than that. It doesn't keep you in your unfortunate circumstances. So I want to go to Luke 2, verse 25, to bring a deeper definition of what is the comfort of God. So Luke 2, verse 25, it says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. So this word comfort... Is the same word as consolation of Israel in this passage. What does that mean? The implication here of console was that they believed that Jesus, who is called the consolation of Israel, was going to come and fulfill His covenant promises to His people. So here when they're talking about the consolation of Israel coming, what they're talking about is the God who who comes and confirms every promise that he has ever given us, the God who comes and comforts us by fulfilling his covenant promises is going to come and be the consolation of Israel. That's what it's talking about. And so they believed that Jesus would come and bring change to their current circumstances. Do Do you see that? Do you see the difference between the comfort of man leaves you in your circumstances but makes you feel a little bit better temporarily versus... The comfort of God who comes and fulfills every covenant promise that he's ever given you. Who comes and changes circumstances that you're in. Who changes the situation that you're in and doesn't leave you in that place. And so fearing the Lord is something that we do, but the comfort of God is something that he does. When we fear the Lord, it actually invites the comfort of God. To come and confirm his covenant with us through a sign, wonder, or miracle. Okay, are you getting what I'm saying? The fear of the Lord invites the covenant-keeping God to come and confirm every promise that he's ever given you. This alone should attract us to want a fear of the Lord. If you want to see signs, wonders, and miracles, which is a confirmation of the covenant that he has given us, we have to have a fear of the Lord. So if there's any of you in this room that need a breakthrough, that need a miracle, that need God to do something in your life, I just wanna tell you it is on the other side of the fear of the Lord. So to give you a couple of examples, because it means nothing unless you can find it in scripture, right? So to give you a couple of examples, in in Acts one and two, we see that Jesus tells the disciples um, he actually says this earlier on, but he says, um, "Stay here until the promised Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from on high." Then the the disciples they obeyed and they stayed together in that place. It says that they stayed pras- uh, praying and fasting. Sorry, in that place, and then we see that the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. And then what happens? The church multiplied by 3,000. Multiplication. Okay, so so what am I saying here? What's the point? We see God come and he gives the command. He says, stay here. But the command is attached to a promise. What is the promise? Till the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from on high. We see the fear of the Lord in that they obeyed and they said, okay, I'm going to stay in this place just like Jesus commanded us. I'm going to, I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray, I'm going to be faithful in this command that he's given us and I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait on God. And then we see that the Holy Spirit comes and falls on the day of Pentecost, which is what? A confirmation of what was already promised in Joel chapter 2 where he says it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit your sons and daughters will holy prophesy God. your old yeah. men will dream dreams your young men will have visions and it goes on and on and on and yet this is this is the confirmation this is the this is the promise of God being confirmed this is the comfort of the holy spirit and then it says that the church grew by 3000 multiplication it multiplied by 3000 so we see that we see the promise we see, the, um, we see the obedience and the fear of the Lord. We see the confirmation of, of the covenant. And then we see multiplication. It's everywhere. Um, and actually, just after that, if you want to turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, uh, 42 through 47, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship so they stayed in the apostles doctrine and fellowship that's obedience that's the fear of the Lord and then it says in verse 43 then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles the fear of the Lord came through obedience the fear of the Lord came many signs wonders and miracles were done confirmation of his covenant confirmation of his promises And then we can jump down to verse 47 and it says, praising God and having favor with all people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Multiplication, this is the key, this is the key. So we see the fear of the Lord plus the comfort of God, the confirmation of his covenant equals multiplication. And I think that sometimes we, we get comfortable with the idea of, God, bring a sign, wonder, or miracle. I need you to do something in my life. I need this breakthrough. I need, you know, whatever it is. We, we are okay with God coming in and doing his part. We're okay with the multiplication. Yes, God, multiply the numbers of this church. Yes, God, multiply my finances. Multiply the blessings in my family. We're okay with that. But then when God asks us to do something, when, when we're asked to walk in the fear of the Lord, we get a little bit quiet. So I want to go through and just define what is the fear of the Lord, because I think that's the number one reason that we, that we are kind of lacking in that area sometimes, is number one, we don't understand what it is, why do we need it, and how can we actually practically take steps towards walking with a fear of the Lord. So... What is the fear of the Lord? It is not to be fearful. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So it's not to be fearful. But yet we know, and this is probably common knowledge that people recognize these scriptures, um, it is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It also says, In the Bible, that it is to be sought after and desired. All over Proverbs, you see him saying, seek after the fear of the Lord. Seek after the fear of the Lord. But I want to give even a more precise meaning than that. And I want to actually kind of go through the Bible and put some puzzle pieces together. You know, it says in Proverbs 25 verse 2 that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. And it's the glory of kings to search it out. What does that mean? That he's actually hidden things, and I've heard this from other ministers, but he's actually hidden things for us to find them. You know, in the same way that on Easter, and maybe some of you don't do that, that's okay, but on, on Easter, people will hide eggs because there's a glory when the children go and find it. If you just throw them all out on the ground, no one is going to care about the eggs. If you just throw, if, if I just dump a basket of eggs right here, No kid is going to run up excited to find it. But yet if you hide it, there's actually a glory in them going and finding that egg. There's every time they open that egg, there's a glory that comes on them. In the same way, when we can search out these truths in the gospel, when we can search out these revelations, there's a glory in that revelation. And so we're going to kind of put, we're going to search some things out in the word and put it together. Um, And so what is the fear of the Lord? I believe that there are two components, two main components to the fear of the Lord. Um, And to kind of go through those, I want to turn to Jeremiah verse 32. Sorry, chapter 32. Jeremiah 32, and we'll go from 39 to 41. All right, and I want to just kind of break this down a little bit. All right. It says, then I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and the good of their children after them. All right, so it says here, there is one heart and one way that leads to a fear of the Lord, right? Here I see another equation, boom, immediately one heart plus one way equals a fear of the lord so what is that one heart what is that one way the first component the heart if you look at that word it it means your inner man it means your mind your will your heart your understanding that's what the meaning of heart is so this speaks of our understanding of god it's that simple so the heart is your understanding of god how do you understand God so then the very next verse verse 40 goes on to explain how we should understand God it says I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them and I will put the fear of me in their hearts so what puts the fear of him in our hearts the covenant that he will not turn away from doing good to us his goodness That's who He is. This is the understanding. So when we talk about one heart plus one way equals the fear of the Lord, that first component, heart, speaks of your understanding of God. Do you understand that He's good? Do you understand that He is covenanted? Do you know the power of covenant? It cannot be broken. He is covenanted to do good to you. If you don't have that understanding, that's probably the first reason that you're not walking in the fear of the Lord. Because a lot of people think The understanding of God that I must have is that he's holy, I'm not. He's righteous, I'm not. There's a big distinction between us, and I have to, you know, I have to revere him. Yes, that is true. I'm not diminishing that. Yes, that is true. But our reverence for him doesn't come out of fear, man-made fear. Our reverence for him comes out of he is good. He is worthy. He is covenanted to be good. He cannot be good. He cannot not be good if he tries. He can only be good. That's who he is. Yeah. And so the first component, the heart, speaks of the revelation or understanding that we have of his goodness. The second component, we're going to turn to Genesis 18, verse 19. We find another puzzle piece here. Genesis 18, verse 19. It says, For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep The way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring Abraham what he has promised him. It's pretty clear here. It's talking about so that God can bring what he has promised, you have to also have the way of the Lord. What does it say the way is? You keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. And this is what causes the Lord to be able to establish His promises, what He has promised to you. So righteousness and justice here, they speak of obedience. So let's, let's keep reading, let's put it all together, uh, Jeremiah 32, 40 through 41. This is what it says all put together, and we'll kind of bring a conclusion to that. It says, I will give them one heart, which is understanding. The goodness of God. I will give them one heart and one way, which is our obedience to him. That they may fear me forever. This is what leads to the fear of the Lord. Understanding of his goodness and obedience to him leads to that May they may fear me forever. For their own good and the good of their children after them. Amen. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they will not turn away from me. I will rejoice in doing them good and I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart and all my soul. So He makes an everlasting covenant with us that He will not turn away from doing good to us and that is what puts the fear of Him in our hearts so that, and it says so that we will not turn away from Him. In other words, so that we will turn to Him. So that we will turn to Him. He gives us this fear of the Lord so that we will turn to him so that we will be captivated by him fear of the lord is what leads to captivation if you want to be captivated if you want to be sold out for this gospel if you want to be sold out for the lord the fear of the lord is the answer to that the goal here is captivation turning to god The fear of the Lord is not being scared of obeying Him or else we will die. <laughs> it's, it's not, you know, and I'm not diminishing the judgments of God. Is, is that a reality? Yes. But what I'm saying is that His judgments are rooted in His goodness. Every characteristic of God is summed up together in one word. That he is good. So let's look at Exodus 33. 18 through 19, Moses says, show me your glory, and God says, okay, I will cause my goodness to pass before you. The glory of the Lord is his goodness. He will cause his goodness to pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Then we jump over to Exodus 34. He's describing his goodness. This is where, this is the fulfillment of where Moses said, show me your glory. God's saying, okay, I'll cause my goodness to pass before you. This verse right here is where his goodness passes before him. And it says, now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. So this is the name of the Lord. This is the glory of God. This is the characteristics of God. It says the lord the lord god merciful and gracious long suffering and abounding in goodness and truth keeping Hallelujah. mercy for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin by no means clearing the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children in and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Now I know this is the the old covenant, so there's a couple of of things in there that that people probably have questions about, but the gist of what I'm trying to say is that this is who he is. This is the characteristic of God. When it says, okay, I'll, I'll cause my goodness to pass before you, what does he pass before him? Himself, God. It's not, goodness is not a characteristic of God. It's who he is. It's who he is. And so if we don't understand this about God, this is the primary reason that people will walk in a fear of man. This is the primary reason. Because we'll end up forfeiting what he has promised us if we don't understand this God who has covenanted to do good to us. And so I think a lot of people, this probably isn't a shock to a lot of people, this isn't a revelation that God is good, right? We say it all the time, but let me just ask you something. If you believed this, if you really, really believed it, would it change the way that you prayed? Would it change the way that that you worshiped? Would it change the way that, that you even treated people? Would it change the things that you're devoting your life to? Would it change the way that you work? would it change your priorities if you really believed this if you really believed god is good and he's covenanted to do good to me would it change some things in your life if you really believed this i think that something that the lord has been really just putting on my heart lately is that prayerlessness is actually a lack of faith prayerlessness is actually the biggest one of the biggest forms of Um, arrogance, because you're saying, I don't need you, God. No longer do I need you, but I can actually just rely on my own giftings, or I'm, my family's good without you. I don't need you, so you don't pray. Would, Would you ever actually say that? No, of course, no one in here would say, I don't need God, but we show that by our lack of prayer. We show that by our lack of devotion to Him. We show that by our priorities, So what would change if we knew that he's good? What in our life would change? I want you to just start even thinking about that. What would change in your life? It's the goodness of God that leads us to fear him. And we fear him because not only do we not want to be outside of his covenant promises, but we want to be inside his covenant promises. It's not a fear of what will happen if we don't. It's it's a fear that leads us into do you get what I'm saying? It's a fear of God that leads us into, Lord, I just want to know you. I just want to experience you. I just want to worship you. I just want to devote my life to you. Thank you. Yeah. So fear of the Lord, remember the definition, understanding his goodness is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. Because if you understand his goodness, you're not going to fear anything else. If you understand his goodness, the fear of man will pass away. If you understand his goodness, you will wholeheartedly obey everything that he says because you trust him. Why do we not obey? Because we don't trust. If we know his goodness, we we will walk in the provision of God. We will walk in the faithfulness of God. We will walk in the fulfillment of every one of his covenant promises toward us. And this is what leads to reverence this is what leads to reverence and so to give just a kind of um, final definition of the fear of the Lord because I know we've kind of bounced around a little bit but to give a final definition the fear of the Lord is submitting your ways to his in obedience through a revelation of the goodness of Christ and his inability to To be unfaithful to his covenant with us. His inability to be unfaithful. He actually does not have the ability to not fulfill every promise he's ever given you. He does not have that ability because he is good. That is who he is. So one heart plus one way equals the fear of the Lord. In other words, the revelation of his goodness plus obedience equals the fear of the Lord. Okay, so practically... How do we fear the Lord? How do we walk into this? There's a few, a few different points that we have to have here. Um, the first way that we can practically start walking in a fear of the Lord is, number one, remember his goodness. Yeah. It sounds simple. It is simple. It's the simple gospel. Remember his goodness. The fear of the Lord must be learned and taught through remembrance, through what we focus on, through what we meditate on. And so in the, the way that they did this in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, was that they had something called memorial stones. And they, they would set up these stones, anytime that they had an encounter with God in a specific area, they would set these stones up and they would say, I'm, I set up these stones in a, as a memorial to where God did this in my life, whatever it is. And so they would set up these stones and every single time that they would walk past those stones, they would say, that's where God was faithful. That's the area that he moved in my life. That was the place that he encountered me. That was the place that he spoke to me. What are the memorial stones in your life? We have to set them up. The, the Israelites were, in te- they had to be intentional about remembering. We are no different. If we're not intentional about remembering, about putting that at the forefront of our mind, something else will take its place. Something else will take its place. And so, what are your memorial stones? Because every time that the that the Israelites walked past the Jordan River and they saw the stones that were built up there, they would say, "That's where God let us cross over, it, on dry ground." Every time that Jacob would pass through Bethel, he would say, "That's the place that God encountered me." Every time that that they would pass by the Ebenezer, they would say, "That's the place that the that he that God delivered the hand of the d- delivered the Philistines into our hands." Was right there in that place, right there in that location, and so what are your memorial stones? Uh, a couple of examples of this. Um, last year, we were actually in a. It was uh, I guess just over a year ago. It was in January last year, Super Bowl Sunday. We were on the way to church, and um, we actually got in a car wreck, and the basically just the back tire blew. We spun out. We went down into a ditch through the fence, and honestly, we probably should have flipped. It should have been way worse than what it was. But what's, what's funny is that now every time, because I have to drive by that, um, that location all the time on my way to church and everything, and there's still a hole in the fence. And so every time we pass by that hole in the fence, I look at it every single time, and I'm like, that's where God protected us. That's where the protection of God is. That's where the provision of God is. Another memorial stone that's in my life is, is my brother. He, when he was um, eight years old, got diagnosed with a very severe disease. Um, It wasn't cancer, but they actually said, I wish we could tell you that it was cancer. Um, It's a lot more aggressive and um, not as common, and so they don't necessarily know what to do with it. But long story short, he needed a bone marrow transplant, liver transplant, kidney transplant. Didn't have to have any of it because the Lord healed him. And now I look at my brother, he's a memorial stone to me. Every time I see him, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that you healed him. Thank you that you are a healer. And so now something comes up where I see someone needs healing. I look to the memorial stone and I'm like, I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it. Why can't he do it again? Why can't he do it again? That's who he is. He's covenanted to do good to us. That is who he is. And so what are the memorial stones in your life? If you can't think of them off the top of your head, you should start, you should start um, intentionalizing them in your life. You have to, you have to put them at the forefront of your mind or else something else will be there because the moment that you forget, the moment that you forget is when you'll slip into a fear of man. The moment that you forget. If you forget, he's he's been faithful before, he's provided for me, supernatural provision. If you forget that, you'll start relying on your paycheck. Yeah. If you forget that God has been faithful in whatever it is, in healing your physical body, you, if you forget that, you'll slip into thinking that, you know, there's another means of, of healing. If you forget the places where God has encountered you, where He's moved in your life, Hallelujah. you will slip into a fear of man and forfeit every promise that he is covenanted to, to bring you. We see this with the children of Ephraim in uh, Psalm 78. They, they turned back in the day of battle because they forgot the faithfulness of the Lord. Psalm 78, 9 through 11, it says, the children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep The covenant of God, they refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and the wonders he had shown them. Because they forgot his works and the wonders that they had shown them, because they forgot all the battles that that God had already um, been victorious in through them, because they forgot of all of these areas of victory, they forgot of all of these areas of provision, they forfeited, they turned back in the day of battle. They would have won. They would have had victory. They would have they would have walked into the promises of God, but because they forgot what God had already done in their lives, uh, in their lives, they forfeited the victory that he had for them that day. And so because they forgot his works, they didn't obey him. And because they didn't obey him, they were afraid. What is that fear of man? They were afraid of, the, of the, the battle that they were going into, the men that they were going to war with, instead of realizing, if I, if I have a fear of God, if I recognize God is greater than all of these things, that he is good, that he is faithful, that this is who he is, they would have walked in victory, but because they didn't, it says they slipped into a fear of the enemy, a fear of the opponent, a fear of man. Everything is rooted in how we view Him. If you don't have a fear of the Lord, you will have a fear of man. This, we see this all the time in the mission field. Because we, part of what I do is I come, in, I come to America and raise up people to come with us on short-term expeditions for, for two weeks at a time overseas. And I hear it all the time people get excited about the trip. They're like, yes, I'm going to go. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to walk in everything that the the Lord has for me. And then a couple of weeks in, when they're off of their spiritual high in this moment, a couple weeks in, they're like, well, I don't think I'm going to get funded. Well, I don't know if I'm going to like the food. I'm a little bit uncomfortable. I I really would prefer to eat gluten-free not even a health condition. I just I just don't like rice. It make, I've literally it makes me bloat. We've heard this all the time, and that's the reason that people don't come out and I'm like, you're using that as an excuse? Like there's so many excuses that I'll be like, okay, like I, you know, that's fair. There's some things though that I'm like, you can get over not liking rice. You can get over yourself in that area. What is that? What have they slipped into there? Fear of man. Will I get funded? Are people going to donate to me? They are not your provision. He is your provision. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The question shouldn't be about us and our emotions. I'm I'm talking about a mission trip, but I'm also talking about everything, whatever you're going through in your life, whatever you're standing up against, whether it's in your job, in your family, whatever it is, I'm also talking about those things. The question shouldn't be about us and our emotions, how do we feel about it? It should be about, am I willing to be radically obedient in the fear of him so that he can fulfill his covenant promises? Because remember, the fear of God attracts the comfort of God. The fear of God attracts the covenant promises being fulfilled and it leads to multiplication. That is what leads to multiplication. Okay, so number one, we remember His goodness. Number two, you have to be intentional about looking for ways to obey Him. Don't just sit there and, and be okay with the status quo because He didn't tell you no. We have to look for ways to obey Him. Look for them. The fear of the Lord, which produces obedience because He's good, is a key component of multiplication. So. Let me put it this way, do you desire multiplication in your ministry or your spiritual journey? Fear him by doing what he's asking you to do, going where he's asking you to go, just because, let me say it this way, just because he hasn't asked you, and I'm being extreme here, but just because he hasn't asked you to um, start a ministry at, at like a homeless shelter doesn't mean that you can't look for ways to serve him in those ways. We have to actively be looking for ways to serve Him. Just because He hasn't asked you, doesn't mean that you're you're not walking in the fullness of what He has for you. There's always more. There's always more. Do you desire multiplication in your finances? Fear Him by sowing what He's asking you to sow. That is how you fear God. You take away, man is not my provision. Man is not my provision. God is my provision. These finances are his. I'll give you, I'll give whatever he asks me to give. I'm not saying don't be a good steward. Be a good steward. But I'm saying if he's asking you to do something, fear him. Obey him. He's good. He's good. He will never let me walk in lack. He will never let me go without. Has he ever done it before? No. Will he ever do it? No. That's not who he is. He is good. He is faithful. Fear Him by sowing what He's asking you. Do you desire multiplication of healing? Lay hands on other people to be healed. Yeah. Fear God. Lay hands on people because that's what the Bible says. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. If you desire healing, believe it for other people. Yeah. Lay hands on people. Luke 16.10 says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also In much. A couple of, probably a couple of months ago at this point, I I heard the Lord say, you will find joy in obedience when you realize that it's connected to a promise. And at first I was a little bit like, okay, that sounds cool, but like, what does that mean? And I just started kind of asking the God, asking the Lord, what what does that mean? And I, it's almost as if, do you remember when you're a kid and you have chores, you have chores to do? There in no way are you ever going to be excited when your mom says, go and, um, go and clean your room. That doesn't excite you, right? But if she says, we're going to go to McDonald's on Friday if you clean your room every day this week, suddenly you now have motivation to clean your room every single day. And you're actually going into the cleaning of your room excited because there's a promise that is connected to your obedience, So this is what the Lord is saying. You will find joy in obedience when you realize that it is connected to a promise. There's a promise that's on the other side of your obedience. This is why it says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. The cross wasn't pointless. There was a joy that it was leading to that brought multiplication, and that is the reason that he walked in that obedience. There was a promise connected to his obedience and suffering. So if you are struggling with obedience because you're apathetic to the things of God because of sin, because of whatever it is, I would say it's probably because you don't understand, number one, that he's good, and number two, that he's a rewarder of those who seek him, who diligently seek him. Okay, so the first thing, remember his goodness. Second thing, look for ways to walk in obedience to him. Third thing is that fearing the Lord is a result, a, a direct result of intimacy. Psalm 25 verse 14 says, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant. The secrets of God are reserved for those who fear him. That intimacy, that place of intimacy is reserved For those who fear him for those who understand who he is for those who understand that he is good i'm sure you remember the parable of the talents where it says that there there was one who he gave five talents one that was given two talents one that was given one talent and it says that the ones who were given five the one that was given five talents multiplied his talents by two and it says the one that was that was given two, also multiplied his talents double. But the one that was given one, let's read what it says. Matthew 25 25, verse 24, it says, Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. What do we see here? The servant, number one, was afraid. He viewed him as harsh. And the other servants, they viewed him as a rewarder. Because they viewed him as a rewarder, what did they do? They invested their talents. They did something with what they were given. But the one who viewed him as harsh says he was afraid. He was afraid. He had an incorrect view of, view of his master. And because he had an incorrect view of his master, what did it lead to? Fear of man. It led to an earthly, man-made fear because he was afraid. He was afraid because he had an under, uh, uh, incorrect understanding of his master. Yeah. And so because the servant didn't have a revelation of his goodness and the goodness and kindness of his master, he wasn't obedient to invest his talents. And as a result, what he had did not multiply. It was taken from him. And so because he didn't walk in the fear of the Lord he walked in disobedience and lost his reward. This fear of God that I'm talking about is what sent Jesus to the cross. This fear is what turned Saul to Paul. This fear is is what spurred on the early church. And so if this kind of radical transformation, this kind of radical moves of God can happen through these men that would say, okay, I'm walking in a fear of the Lord. He is good and I'm gonna be obedient to everything that he says. If this type of radical transformation could happen to these men, what could happen in your life if you you walk in the fear of the Lord? What is on the other side of it for your life? It could be freedom, it could be boldness, it could be favor, multiplication. But I wanna be clear, when I say, when I say multiplication, I wanna be clear that he is the biggest reward that we will ever receive. We're not in it for the multiplication. Of course, he multiplies finances, yes, that's who he is. If you have an issue with that, you should read your Bible because he does that. He, he opens up the mouth of a fish and there's coins in there. That's just what he does. But the biggest reward that we will ever receive, the biggest multiplication that we'll ever receive is who He is, intimacy with Him. Because yes, the servants multiplied their talents, but they were also told, well done, good and faithful servant. That was the best reward that they could have received. And if you don't know that intimacy with Him is the reward and you treat it as the means to the reward, you'll always be in disappointment. Because intimacy is not the means to multiplication, but multiplication is the means to intimacy. It should be. When you get that multiplication, when you get that he multiplied, you know, in Acts, he multiplied the church, he multiplied my finances, he multiplied my favor with man, whatever it is, it should lead you back to, I'm I'm here with you, God. It's only about you. It's not about what you give me. It's just about you and who you are because you are good. That's what the fear of the Lord leads us into. And so I'm going to bring it in for a close, but what is the Lord asking you to do? I thought it was cool. I was talking, I was talking with uh, pastors Rick and Anna last night, and they were just sharing a little bit about the things that they're believing God for, and the ways that God is moving in in this ministry and in this body. And um, I I was reminded of a testimony recently that I've heard from from one of my uh, churches that I go to, and it just reminded me kind of of the things that you guys are believing for. And I wanted to share it because, you know, I believe that in you know like it says in revelation the testimony of jesus is the spirit of prophecy and so if he can do it in this in this congregation if he can do it in this testimony whatever it is he can do it here as well and so i'm sharing this and it's about a church but i want you to take hold of it for yourself as well in any area of your life so there's a, one of the churches that i go to um they they got uh, the building that they have they had to obviously purchase the building and so, in 2019, they signed the contract um, for $900,000 for this building. It's a it's a pretty big loan that they're taking on, right? A pretty big um, uh, purchase. So, 2019, they sign over for the building. Uh, they're given a prophetic word at that point that they're going to be debt free by 2023. So that's like four years later, $900,000. This is not a mega church. This is like. Maybe 150, maybe 200 people. Not, not a big church at all. Um, in, so 2023 rolls around, which is the year of the, that the prophetic word said that they would be debt-free. They still owe $357,000 on it. So it's not looking very good that they're gonna be, that they're going to be debt-free that year. So they wanted to, at the same time that all of this is happening, they felt from the Lord that they should take on a new project for the homeless. Um, so they go to the bank and they say, hey, we wanna take on you know, something else to, to kind of do this new ministry, and they asked the bank basically for $100,000, and the bank said no and gave them $5,000, so significantly less than what they asked for. Um, at the same time, a woman comes to, a homeless woman comes to the church, which remember, the ministry that they wanted to take on is, is a homeless ministry. So a homeless woman comes to the church, And she comes up to the altar, to the altar, to the giving basket, and she puts four $1 bills in there. All she has, she's a homeless woman. And they took that, they felt from the Lord that that was like a a prophetic act saying we, that God wants them, even though they're still $357,000 in in debt, even though they're looking at this $100,000 ministry expansion and only have 5,000, they felt the Lord ask them to give $4,000 to five different ministries. So that is $20,000. They felt God asked them, so this amount of money. So they're like, okay, God, like we really can't afford to do that right now, but we'll do it. Before they even signed the check, another check comes in for $50,000. And they're like, whoa, like this is crazy. This is God, you know? And so they, they still signed the check. They gave that money. And a week or so later, four years to the day that they signed over for the church building in 2019, four years later to the exact day, they received a check for $400,000, completely unheard of. So, they were able to pay for their building, remember they owed three hundred fifty-seven. dollars they paid for their building, but the leftover plus that other check that had come in and the $5,000, equaled the exact amount that they needed for that new ministry expansion that they were doing as well. Fear of the Lord plus the comfort of God equals multiplication. So they had the promise of God. They had the prophetic word. They uh, had a fear of God and they sowed. Even when they felt like they couldn't afford it, they sowed anyways. And the comfort of God came and was confirmed through the homeless person giving through the $50,000 check, and then we see that the the multiplication comes with the building is paid off, paid off plus the new ministry that they wanted to do. Um, We can see this also in the Lord's call to Abraham, uh, Genesis 22, one through 18, you can read it there. I won't read it just for time's sake, but basically what happens is in Genesis 15, 15, we see God telling them, count the stars, And that is how, that is how much I'm going to multiply your descendants. Count the stars. As many as you see, that's how many descendants you're going to have. And so God asks him to sacrifice his only son. Abraham took Isaac with his servants to the mountain and said to his servants, stay here, we will worship and then come back to you. So he bound Isaac on the altar and right when he was about to kill him, God said, Abraham, don't lay your hand on him, for now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your son from me so he looked and there was a ram caught in the bushes and they sacrificed it and worshiped god then we see genesis twenty-two sixteen through 18 because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son blessing i will bless you multiplying i will multiply your descendants like the stars of the heaven and like the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies and your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. And so we see this through and through again. You can see that the promise is given. He's faithful. He he goes and he says, "Okay, God, if I know that you're good, even if you have to resurrect him from the dead, I know that you will provide." That is fear of the Lord. That is I know that He is good. That is belief in the goodness of God. So he didn't he didn't even bat an eye. He said, "Okay, great." I'll be obedient to you. I'll follow what you do. He goes to obedience, and in that moment, says God, God says, don't do it, and he provides. The comfort of God comes in. He provides Amen. a ram. They sacrifice the ram. Where's the multiplication? We're sitting here in this room because it says that your descendants will be multiplied like the sand of the seashore, like the stars in the sky, and yet we're sitting here right here today, descendants of Abraham by faith. And so what promises are waiting you on the other side of this radical fear of the Lord and obedience? Um, the only way to see the comfort of God, signs, wonders, and miracles, is through a fear of the Lord. We have to understand that He's good, and we have to walk in obedience. And that I believe that that's the call of God for this season that he has for us, that we would walk in such a radical fear of the Lord, that every other fear is microscopic, that every other fear becomes nothing. There's no more fear of finances because he's our provision. There's no more fear of health situations because he is our healer. There's no more fear of anything else other than God, and the fear is not That he's going to do something if we don't obey. That he's going to remove his presence. That he's going to remove his blessing if we don't obey. But the fear is you are so good. You are so good. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I want to be in that intimacy with you.